Welcome back to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. You know when you're traveling, uh, perhaps you fly uh, somewhere around the world and you're gone for a few days, and then uh, after a while and you're exhausted from where you've been, you come back to your home city and, and you fly in to your local airport. I think about uh, some of the travels I've had, and I'm not exactly a world traveler. I've been a few places, uh, but uh, the guest that we have on the podcast today, Dr. David Wells, is a man who sees much of the world from 30,000 feet. As he travels uh, to various places around the world in his role as General Superintendent of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, he isn't just uh, going to, to places to represent uh, his Canadian values. He is about the Kingdom of God. And he is uh, not only just going to represent Canada, he is going as a learner. So he has a great perspective on the nation of Canada. He also has a real passion for Canadian cities. I think you're going to enjoy his thoughts. Let's turn our attention now to Dr. David Wells. Dr. David Wells, tell me about some of the people that you've been mentored by. Well, Kevin, I've been uh, really looked after, if I can put it that way, by uh, the Lord, uh, bringing the right people into my life at the right time, uh, right from childhood where uh, wasn't engaged in the life of the church, uh, didn't know Jesus personally. Now this is as an elementary kid, but you know when you're on a track like that, uh, you need people to intervene. And uh, an aunt and uncle uh, had just been married and uh, didn't feel it was right that the Wells kids were getting to uh, Sunday school, so they came by. And uh, threw myself and my two sisters who were slightly younger than me into the car. And, we started going to this uh, branch Sunday school. So I always view the influences in my life and even the mentors, starting with Norman Merle, because it showed somebody who's willing to inconvenience themselves, uh, make a way. Was that in Edmonton? In Edmonton, yeah. yeah. So I was born and raised in Edmonton. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've often talked to my mom and dad about that season in their life. Uh, they had some. Uh, faith background, it wasn't like they were antagonistic or whatever, mm -hmm. but shift work and kids coming, you know, we were the boomers, so mm -hmm. we boomed, you know, mm -hmm. five kids in short order, and it was just uh, uh, a busy life, and if you didn't have it rooted or centered around the church, you know, then it was easy not to be involved. So that was the intervention, and uh, uh, that led to uh, our family even getting introduced to a life of faith and, and church engagement. And uh, church engagement then, of course, allowed for the right people to be there at the right time. Do you remember what church that was? When oh, yeah. Your kid, yeah. Central Pentecostal Tabernacle. So, yeah. yeah, they had the branch Sunday school. And when my parents decided, no, we should be taking the kids ourselves, we started going down to uh, the church in the early 60s, which was on 8th Street. And very shortly thereafter, they uh, relocated to uh, 116th Street, and uh, they built a new building uh, under the direction of Pastor Bob Tanger. So, oh, yeah. so he became an early model to me, and it's interesting in a church at that time that was already over a thousand, um, that he had this personal interest in this Sunday school kid. Hmm. So uh, my first mentoring about what it meant to be a pastor, and even some of the things he did from the platform, shutting down a service at one point in the middle of his message to say, you know, um, I just sense that the Lord really wants us to pause and everyone turn where we are and kneel in prayer because we need his presence so bad, we need his spirit. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we, that sticks with you, like that stuck with me in my uh, Christian life, but also in my leadership ever since that yeah. point. And, Bob, Bob Tanger was the president at, at uh, EPBC when I was there in the 80s. And uh, it's amazing to me how for uh, decades afterwards, uh, you know, I was one of 350 students, mm -hmm. but 
if I were to bump into him at a conference or something, he'd walk up, Kevin, how are you? He just had that uh, great personable sense to be able to uh, notice everyone that was there. Yeah, and uh, you know, to me that was a, a great model of what I think more of the biblical model of leadership is the main metaphor used is shepherd. Um, and shepherd doesn't mean you're not a leader. The shepherds of Israel were leaders, so mm -hmm. there, there's the leadership gifting. But it's done from a relational basis of intimacy with God and the ability to uh, lead people and be mm -hmm. relational with people. So um, it's not actually a CEO business type model, although there's gifts of leadership. Mm -hmm. And I think Bob Tinger has modeled that for us through the years and the various roles he's had, has have a number of other good leaders in my life, but uh, I was with him yesterday. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm still a Sunday school boy, right? He's yeah. He's in his mid-90s now, and you get a hug because you're a son in the faith, you know? And that, yeah. That means a lot to have those people in your life that, yeah. uh, even when you're my age, that you're still a son, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, like, yeah. So I have... 50 uh, years later. So yeah. I, last week, I was with another strong mentor in my life in early ministry. Uh, we still keep track of each other. I now call them older peers because I don't want to <laughs> yeah. tell them they're getting old, but uh, I'm my age and then they're a decade older than me. But again, this is a pastor who, uh, he did the great combination of showing a real passion for God, uh, priority of prayer, uh, priority of reaching out. He was always uh, bothered by the fact that we claim to be people of the Spirit, and when we receive power, we'll be witnesses. Mm -hmm. And yet how uh, often uh, our churches weren't uh, evidencing that by, on a regular basis, people coming to faith. So he really instilled with me that passion. And again, if you think of my roots and mm -hmm. tracking of this kid who wasn't going to church at all, and then people intervened, mm -hmm. he brought kind of a young adult uh, and an adult version for my, for me in my uh, leadership formation about how you motivate a church to live that way, mm -hmm. you know, um, because it doesn't always come naturally to the life of the church to reach out beyond itself. It can get very, you can get into the vortex of the existing church real fast mm -hmm. and the preferences of who's already there. Mm -hmm. And before long, you've lost this outward compulsion. And I... I learned from him the price you pay sometimes in leadership yeah. to make and to lead the way yourself. Right. And uh, now it was a different time and a different era, but part of working with him was that uh, every Thursday morning I was out on the streets, not in the office. Mm -hmm. uh, I had other responsibilities, the role is especially with youth and young adults and all those ministries. But Thursday morning, youth are in school and aren't yeah. around. But I was still out in the community, on the streets, sometimes going to neighborhoods door to door on a Thursday morning. You might not do that nowadays, you know, but <laughs> back in the day, uh, you know, you had salesmen. And so if yeah. the Fuller Brush people were going to be out there or the Avon people, the, the it was, Yeah, it was a understood medium that this is a way you can communicate with people. And it was pre... Uh, uh, social media, so everything came to your door. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. it might be hard for some people to compute, but uh, I'm not saying I was always comfortable out of You know, when no. the lady in her house coat would show up at the door and kind of look at me like, what are you doing here? You know, kind yeah. of, it, yeah. it wasn't, uh, yeah. but all I have to say is last week I'm with him again, mm -hmm. just looking for time to be together, mm -hmm. uh, go to a hockey game together, uh, catch up, talk, still very interested in our lives, interested mm -hmm. in how we're doing. Um, so you, you get those people through your life, like I say, at several phases, I could mention several, of course, and uh, I think uh, when we talk about the mission of the church, uh, be it in a city or just what Jesus has given us to do, uh, the going of making disciples is relationally based. Absolutely. And it does involve yeah. people that will 
mentor other people mm -hmm. and uh, pay the prices. And usually you need multiple people. One friend called it a constellation mm -hmm. of mentors mm -hmm. that, that discipleship is all about. Well, boy, I've had that constellation. And yeah. I'm so grateful for yeah. those people and, and a good number of others that have been there for me. Yeah, and, and it's, it's something that I've seen you replicate in your life. You are, are personable like Bob Tatinger. Mm -hmm. You uh, walk into a room and, and you approach people and uh, you approach with a kind spirit and, and appreciation for them. And, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you've lived in a few Canadian cities as well, Edmonton, uh, Hamilton, Vancouver, uh, Burlington, to name of the ones I know, or any other cities you lived in? Uh, Calgary twice. Calgary twice, Red, yeah. Red Deer, Alberta. Red Deer. Uh -huh. So we, yeah, we've known cities, that's for sure. Yeah, and then your, uh, your uh, work takes you worldwide. Uh, visiting major cities around the globe. Um, you have a heart for city life and and actually you did some university work related to urban ministry. Uh, where, where was that and what, what, were your, what were you studying? Yeah, we were serving at that time in uh, Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Had uh, moved from Edmonton when I started my graduate program through Briarcrest. So Briarcrest, great, great seminary, you know, uh, had created programs that you could do um, on modules and show up for... So you, you come out to this uh, rural Saskatchewan and train whistles blowing, you know, 15 kilometers out to the south and you can hear it clearly on a... you know, and you're there for a, a program and, uh, and yet uh, I focused in on, uh, for my graduate uh, study project for my master's on uh, an urban ministry strategy for Vancouver because that's where we were mm -hmm. and uh, I was serving in that context and uh, I was beginning to understand the uh, complexity of cities the multiple stratas um, uh, I was serving in a church that had one type of DNA but realizing other <laughs> DNAs that were necessary in order mm -hmm. to uh, uh, touch a city and so I just wanted to really immerse myself in that and it started uh, with building a theological basis for how we go about ministry in a city and really studying cities theologically mm -hmm. uh, then drawing off of a lot of the models that were what were their philosophies uh, how did they go about it right down and then doing a lot of survey work uh, both in Vancouver but also with friends that uh, were involved beyond Canadian cities. Um, somewhat to reflect back onto how Canadian cities can be distinct than mm -hmm. even across the border in the States or mm -hmm. globally. And uh, so that you know your city and uh, Canadians know their context. And mm -hmm. uh, so it all culminated by presenting that to the church I was involved in at that time. Um, senior associate at the time at Broadway Church and talking about Vancouver and presenting it within that context and presenting it a little broader to the whole um, you know grouping of churches uh, within mm -hmm. urban Vancouver that we were aligned with it uh, ended up going broader to uh, Mission Canada when I got involved with uh, uh, serving nationally for a period of time mm -hmm. that uh, one of our missional priorities began to evolve at that time to be urban Canada and, mm -hmm. and this study project was strongly in my heart about why we were doing that. Yeah, you, you were really one of the, the architects of Mission Canada and, and uh, you know, I think the, uh, the, the fruit of that is, is uh, ongoing and growing. Uh, I mean, I'm sitting here and uh, Sidewalk Skyline mm -hmm. exists. Uh, Partially because of that vision for Mission Canada, you know. So I uh, thank you for uh, being uh, obedient to what the Spirit was putting in your heart at that time, you know, to to make a way for for people. I remember coming to some of the uh, early urban summits, uh, one that was held here and one that was in Montreal, and and how we would. Uh, 
take gather people from across the nation. You would, and and uh, George Warner was involved, and others, and and uh, just not. We wouldn't just come to learn and, and hear from each other, but uh, also to walk the streets in those cities and and to uh, explore and 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 say what's here and and what's God saying here. Uh, so let's let's suppose that uh, we have a listener to the podcast and they live in Boom Road, New Brunswick or Fleming, Saskatchewan or uh, you know in uh, none of it you know some some place that is not very urban <laughs> um, help the person who's uh, kind of looks at city life and just kind of goes you know, oh, I couldn't handle that traffic, I couldn't handle that busyness, I need wide open spaces. And, and we recognize that those values and, and uh, the, the beauty and the tranquility of that, but what's so beautiful about city life? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm a, let's say I'm, I'm a farmer sitting on my acreage and I'm listening to you. I come to church and you're the guest and you're talking about city life. Why would I go to that God-forsaken concrete jungle? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and uh, a person would need to understand you don't have to love everything about the city in order to love the city. That's true. And uh, in fact, you'd be masochistic to uh, have to arrive at any other conclusion. What, because what about your wife? You <laughs> love everything about your wife? Yeah, well, you know, I, like I... There you might have to. Yeah. I, yeah. I think about traffic. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, difference. Yeah, I hate traffic, right. you know, and I've lived in it all my life, but it doesn't mean you got to... Uh, so, you know, a city, I think, especially for a follower of Jesus, does have to break down into who's in the city mm -hmm. and seeing the city with uh, eyes that are different than the immediate. Uh, like I went to Vancouver, mm -hmm. and one of the ways they tried to draw people to come to serve in Vancouver was to talk about the climate. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, and it, hey, you know, generally a nice climate, people don't mind ending up in Vancouver for a vacation. I yeah. came from Alberta with my family regularly, and we loved going to Vancouver and the coast and through the mountains. But the point of the matter was is that uh, the climate was not going to sustain a call of God on your life to be in the city. Right. You, you might, it might add uh, <laughs> some value, yeah. but uh, you know, 19 days of rain can get to you too when you live in a yeah. rainforest, you know. So yeah. the the... And I always, as part of even this study and working with the church, I emphasize uh, you have to see with Jesus' eyes the city, and you have to see, the first of all, the stratas that are in a city, mm -hmm. um, the demographic stratas uh, as well as uh, the geography, but the demographic uh, layout of a city, and you begin to uh, see the various uh, people that are living in that city and the makeup of the city. And, uh, you know, you talk, uh, so I'll stick fairly close to Vancouver illustrations just because of that experience and that's where I did the uh, grad work. Uh, what, what makes you come to Vancouver? What gives you a call to Vancouver? Mm -hmm. I said no to Broadway the first time. I don't know that everybody even in the life of the church knows that because mm -hmm. the appeal was along the sides of Great church, brand new building, uh, you know, uh, climate, <laughs> you know, will match your salary that you're getting in Edmonton. Well, what, right away that meant we were going to go more into poverty. <laughs> yeah, <not laughs> because, uh, yeah, the real estate. You know, uh, Edmonton wasn't cheap, cheap to live in, but it was definitely cheaper than Vancouver. So, why would I feel a call, Susan and I, and three kids to move across to Vancouver? It had to be more than just the look of the city or the climate or uh, what a great church and it was, you know, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. What, what, what got to me? And, um, the, the, you know, the illustration I use, Kevin, uh, goes back to friends who we worked with in urban ministry at that time in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And um, they developed into being urban museologists themselves and currently serve in the New York City area. But mm. um, 
it was when I went two blocks up from the church and one block uh, west, and I'm in this community, and I go to this address, there's the following people living there. This is the city. The city is uh, an Asian couple owning that house. They've got money. Uh, their husband is an astronaut, as we called them, who went back and forth between Southeast Asia and uh, this house in mm -hmm. East Vancouver. They're not poor. Mm -hmm. They're actually very well off. Uh, the wife is usually there with the kids, but so is mom. Mom mm -hmm. does not speak English. That's grandma. Mm -hmm. The mother is uh, learning English, but still first language would be, in this case, uh, Cantonese, you know, or Mandarin, depending mm -hmm. on. And the kids are there, and they're 1.5s, you know, they're mm -hmm. born in Asia, but now they're living in Canada. They're quickly enculturating to Canadian life, and they got money. Mm -hmm. And uh, when dad's gone, sometimes mom's gone, you know, they're heading off to school, mm -hmm. uh, but they're, they got money to do what they want to do. Eventually, as they get a little older, they got cars, they got, you know, but they're living in that house mm -hmm. and they got the main section of the house. Mm -hmm. But downstairs is a couple, uh, could be male, female, could be same sex and so on, whatever, young, uh, they finished off their university education, they got debt, they got to live simply, they're living in Vancouver, high cost, can't afford the housing as of yet, you know. Mm -hmm. But they're professionals, they're gonna, they, they, you know, they're young professionals, they're thinking people, uh, they're gonna fit into that category that's grown to well over 50% in BC, which is the nuns, you know. They'll yeah. say they have no spiritual affiliation, but that doesn't mean they're not interested in spirituality or self-actualization, right. but they're also generally interested in money too, you know. Right. Right. But, they're in, but they're in a basement suite, you know. Mm -hmm. Someday they hope to move, move up, and uh, that may mean they've got to move out to the burbs to get a condo, but, you know, they'll find a way. Part of our uh, evangelistic approach sometimes is to focus on the brokenness and mm -hmm. the sinfulness mm -hmm. and why you need a savior. Uh, but you're describing people that may not have a sense of I'm overly broken or uh, you know I'm I'm not doing anything too bad. You know what what does what's the point with Jesus, but it's, it's more than about just getting rescued, isn't it? Well, exactly, and uh, you know, and then also we found that those addresses was uh, a lone parent living out in secondary accommodation, sometimes just a rejuvenated garage or something, or you know, and often with several children and not necessarily another parent involved, just them and these kids and they were in poverty. Hidden, so hidden poverty. Yeah, it's yeah. the hidden poverty. Um, and so we used to talk about the Broadway corridor that went right by our church and people would think not think of poverty because they see these houses and they see the prominent family that right. owned a family and maybe people coming out of the basement suites. But yeah. there was hidden poverty all throughout that whole area. So when people thought of Vancouver, urban, and need, they thought of a 32 square block area on the downtown east side, which yeah. is known you know, internationally as well. And uh, with that, again, yeah. you can think monolithic, but you'd be wrong because yeah. there's a lot of diversity even in that context, but it's a little bit more classical urban in people's minds right. about addictions and uh, yeah. You know, that's where yeah. the needle exchanges are, that's where, you know, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. East Hastings, yeah. people got it locked in, oh yeah, that's bad. Yeah. yeah. So that is that is part of uh, urban Vancouver. That's mm -hmm. part of what you're called to if you come to Vancouver. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you were called in the context I was called, which was still city life, yeah. you know, you, you had to start to think about how do you relate to this Asian couple and 
who have migrated here partly because of the ongoing political dynamics of Asia, mm -hmm. and yet there's money. And how do you deal with young professionals? And they weren't just in basement suites. Some of them are able to get their money together and end up in the uh, you know vertical cities of condos and so on. So go through Canadian cities, mm -hmm. uh, look at uh, and especially the major ones, the vertical condos that are all cities that are all over. Well, how do you access, how do you engage, how are you involved with those folks? And like you say, many of them not sensing a great sense of spiritual need. They're exploring, they're open. Um, but at the, that time in Vancouver, 50% uh, of people identified themselves as uh, single, mm -hmm. single adults, many of them professionals, yeah. and a whole different population. So our friend down in the commercial region of uh, Vancouver had to find a totally different way to come alongside of a lot of people that are single professionals, yeah. certainly no dummies. So you're dealing with people yeah. that need to be able to reach heart and mind. Yeah, people who are sincerely secular. Yeah, yeah. and you, you, you're not talking uh, necessarily that the way that's going to appeal to them is set up in a community center or a gym nearby right. on a Sunday morning and have a hot band and like two fish, you know, and uh, <laughs> that right away you're guaranteed people are going to flock into an attractional church model. Way, no, no or yeah. Canada urban, the cities, beckon for people that sense a call to come and be among full mm -hmm. of grace and truth to meet those individuals and you start on the platform of often one by one by one and it's blood sweat and tears it takes time there's the call yeah now is there room for the broadways is there room for churches that um yeah but you also got to understand what they are and what they're not and you have to understand their dna and what they bring to the so thank God for church multiplications occurring even in places uh, like Toronto and, mm -hmm. and, and of course the diversity of the cities and in Vancouver. I'm so glad uh, friends like the Coops have gone in and planted Coastal yeah. Church in the heart of Vancouver. But, but that's like a, a beachhead mm -hmm. for then this diversification of ministry that needs to go on with called people that will go one by one by one and they'll deal with young professionals in the business community and they'll deal with those that are corporate mm -hmm. so again to think of urban as simply any one strata uh, huge mistake and especially in Canada mm -hmm. the, the one of the main distinctions uh, it may not be quite as pronounced but it's still there compared to US urban is these geographic lines that are so strictly one demographic, you know, one group of people. Yeah. Here's, here's the African-American section of town. Here's the, this section of town, that, you know. And we, we have little variations on a theme in Canada of that, but by and large, no, it's more the stratas yeah, I'm talking we, about. We are tossed salad. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I, I know that to be true of some neighborhoods that I've lived in where uh, I've lived in uh, neighborhoods uh, growing up where almost everybody around me were white Canadians and uh, but urban reality is uh, uh, I am one of many minorities yeah now I wish we had the kind of accurate stats uh, and we'll keep working on it and you're, you're good help to us you know across Canada about the exact breakdown of what the POC is doing urban. Mm -hmm. But uh, again, maybe because of home field uh, advantage or knowledge, uh, yeah. I have kept tracking, um, say, uh, urban, let's say, BC and, and mm -hmm. Vancouver and looked at POC presence. And uh, you, you go into a district like our British Columbia, Yukon district, and over 50% of the churches are in either smaller, um, say 50,000 and under, uh, the majority, mm -hmm. of course, smaller towns and even rural, mm -hmm. uh, just over 50%. Mm -hmm. 
but uh, still close to 50%, about 48% of our churches. Now this is mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily people, mm -hmm. um, but just over uh, under 50% of our churches, 48% or so, are in what uh, the government calls uh, population centers. So they differentiate, you know, they're using different language all the mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. So what they uh, used to call, um, you know, uh, you got municipalities and they're very specific. So for instance, city of Vancouver, um, population just over 600,000. Well, that's not what we would call Metro Vancouver. Right. Or that, would that be like city limits? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the very, the actual city limits. Yeah. You know, at Vancouver actually drops to the eighth largest city in Canada when you talk that language because, yeah. you know, the way Vancouver's grown in, in the city limits is yeah. up, you know. Uh, but in uh, a city, in the cities of British Columbia, you then talk the Burnabys, you then talk the Surreys, you then talk even Victoria is as a city is, again, within its limits. Uh, not one of the largest cities. It's sixty something, but all of a sudden you start talking the broader. Right now you're up into the twenties that yeah. Victoria fits in. Uh, why is that important? Well, it's important because uh, if you break down, say, the term Vancouver, and break it down more into these specific municipalities and limits, mm -hmm. you still have urban life. Mm -hmm. You got Burnaby. Burnaby has, you know, metro town. Burnaby has this central, these central hubs of uh, community life. Some mm -hmm. that, uh, but it also has different uh, uh, ethnicity. Mm -hmm. is uh, is a huge factor in understanding region mm -hmm. by region, location mm -hmm. by location, and, and economics are a key factor, and so on and so forth. So again. Um, we have to do the hard work of breaking it down. So when I look at uh, makeup of our churches there, uh, it's interesting when you get into city life in those city centers um, of, uh, of those churches, the largest grouping is cultural language churches. Hmm. So they, they're the ones that zero in on a specific language group mm -hmm. and, um, and they're going to reach a specific language group that that's their first language. Mm -hmm. Now, is that effective then with second generation? Uh, historically, that's not always proven to be the best way to retain and reach uh, second generation uh, people from a certain ethnicity. They tend mm -hmm. to drift away. Some will go to... Um, and then churches that are strongly based on a community, they're focused on a specific area, you know, uh, in those municipalities. There's only about 10% of our churches in BC that are that way. They're in a city and they're focused on a specific municipality mm -hmm. or, or, or community within that. And then you go up to... Uh, regional churches that they'll reach the whole region. In my case, right. that would be like Vancouver Broadway right. or Victoria People Glad Tidings. will drive uh, 30 kilometers to come to church. Yeah, yeah. and uh, those are 13% of the churches in that particular mm -hmm. district, in that particular. So, you know, over half are rightfully serving the very areas you talked about. Uh, rural and smaller town and mid-sized communities and rightfully so and they're going to have a pretty community orientation and basis about how they go about that yeah but when you come into our cities first of all we're under churched yeah. because more than 48% of the population of British Columbia and Yukon live in those municipalities those city mm -hmm. limits then the type of churches that are needed within that basically fall into those three categories. You do need churches that zero in on a community. Mm -hmm. And you do need churches that can reach specific demographics, mm -hmm. including the language demographic and the ethnicity that goes with that. Mm -hmm. And as we know, for instance, Spanish doesn't guarantee you one kind of 
ethnicity as well, right? right? right. So, so you need the diversity yeah, of that. size does not take yeah. all. So I just found it interesting to go to some of our, let, let me, Surrey is this largest growing municipality right in British Columbia. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, it's grown to over half a million on its own. Now it's included in the Metro Vancouver stats, yeah. but it's hilarious because people that live in the city of Vancouver, their thought of even crossing the bridges that take you out into the valley, they start to shake and they get nervous. <laughs> and well, why would you do that? You know, kind of other than to maybe get uh, once in a while go visit your godforsaken relatives that are still out on the prairies, right? Yeah. But, you know, so so you've got to think then about Surrey as its own municipality. You've got to think about the type of people that are living in Surrey now. Interestingly enough. Two-thirds exactly of our churches in Surrey are cultural language churches focused on specific languages, mm -hmm. Korean, Spanish, you know. So that, that leaves you with eight out of 24 churches in a community of over half a million that are either zeroing in on a specific community mm -hmm. or they're a regional church that's... Uh, you know, drawing, and those usually tend to be intercultural churches, hopefully they're intergenerational churches. Um, they tend to be based around the attractional model of outreach and strong Sunday lens churches. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, go back to the original discussion about coming like Jesus, go be among full of grace and truth. Mm. You know there's a whack of people yeah. that we're not reaching within Surrey, British Columbia, yeah. or Vancouver, and on and on we go. Mm -hmm. So, totally honoring those that serve in their particular communities, rural, towns, smaller, even cities, but you know, mm -hmm. they need to be there, they need to serve their populations well. Yeah. But we are radically under-churched or under-ministry, <laughs> if I could put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not just thinking of a church on a corner, but thinking of how God would send us incarnationally into the cities. Yeah. We're, we are radically understaffed. In other yes. words, we need the call of God to go to people that says, come to the city, come be among, mm -hmm. be full of grace and truth, you may find yourself focused on a particular strata, particular group of people. You may find yourself touching the university students. You may need to develop something that really does connect with young professionals mm -hmm. who live in vertical cities and condos and then serve in downtown office buildings. My God, we need that horribly in Toronto. Like, uh, we're, we're way, not just us, the whole Christian community is radically unrepresented uh, in the city that way. Yeah, I think, you know, no matter where a person lives, they all have a preference. Mm -hmm. You know, this is where I wish I was, you know, or this is where I would never want to go. And, uh, and yet it seems to me that the life of the Spirit in each of us kind of hovers around those artificial borders that we've we've placed, mm. you know, there's there's something of, of God's calling that uh, will always mess with the limit that you set, you know, and and uh, um, yeah, I think we we need more people that are uh, um, less risk averse, you know, risk takers, people who will say, you know what. Uh, I, I love the Lord so much that I'll, um, I'm open. Mm -hmm. I, 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 would, I would go through an open door, you know. And, and sometimes uh, there are people maybe that feel that, um, but uh, who's, who's calling them? Who's, who's knocking on the door and saying, well, would you go here? So I think we've got we to gotta be thinking about that at the local church level too, don't we? Mm -hmm. Is, you know, how do we actually um, uh, create opportunity for people? Yeah, and uh, I mean, first of all, 
you know, there needs to be strong affirmation of those who have walked through the door and uh, folks like yourself and Marsha, you know, and uh, you need to hear it loud and clear again today. <laughs> Thank you. You know, and a new song, but also yeah. our friend down on commercial and others that mm -hmm. are, and those that have gone into uh, in-city universities and uh, have yeah. uh, found ways to reach professional people in corporate boardrooms and yeah. uh, those who've gone along the poor and the dispossessed and the addicted. And, I mean, some of the greatest church planting movements are those who reach addicted people and turn them into church planters. Mm -hmm. And they're within our circles mm -hmm. globally. Yeah. In like Russian cities, like that's how cities are being reached. Yeah. By rejuvenated, uh, you know, yeah. revived <laughs> from the dead, literally, yeah. you know, addicted people. Yeah. And they've become the people changing the community. Like the woman at the well who, mm -hmm. transformed by Jesus, runs back to town and says, come here, everybody, you got to meet this guy. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, first thing is we start with strong affirmation to those that have done that, whether in Russia Mm -hmm. You know, I hope they get to see them. <laughs> well, or, or on Commercial Drive, or yeah. at, you know, in Windsor. Or... While we're recording this, uh, we're in our first month of production, uh, or releasing podcasts, and uh, uh, so we've got um, some uh, hits in China, and uh, we've got some uh, hits in, uh, I think, Ireland, hmm. um, and then Canada and U.S., but... Yeah, someone might, by the time we get yours released, there could be Russian. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, you know, and so, you know, you, you do need, and this is part of what Mission Canada was created for, was to, you do need to bring focus onto some certain things. Yeah. And uh, that was always the heart that we needed, uh, a complementary DNA to what was our existing local churches. So again, not either or, not versus at all yeah. you know god bless our friends who are being faithful to do church well and yeah. reach whether their communities or entire regions we got friends that do that great yeah. uh, they're making disciples but there is uh, a complementary dna that w was needed in our fellowship about here's where canada is and where it's moving towards mm -hmm. Um, in, in the spirit realm and secularization and so on. We had to do good theological thinking. We continue to need to engage truth. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, it's also in where do we put our focus in mission? Mm -hmm. uh, were we showing up at the university campuses? Such influential places both for Canada but around the world. Well, we weren't showing up the way we should. We had to put a whole fresh focus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Most of those are in cities. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. So there's cross-pollination, uh, mm. but you hear my strong conviction yet today, um, 20 years after coming and working to give original birth to the Mission Canada concept, uh, the next evolution of what it would look like to reach Canada, uh, it, it did need this focus of urban because, you know, and so the focus needs to be there, the call needs to be strong, but we do need to be able to say, and here's some delivery systems. Here how, here's how you can step on the escalator and actually get up the next level and uh, find yourself serving in ways that you feel called to but didn't know how to get, get there. You know? Right, right. So, so that's part of my responsibility and those who work with me and our districts and others. We, we have to create the escalators, you know. We have yeah. to... Uh, say there's going to be open doors and we're going to equally value yeah. call people to do ministry in those areas. It's actually kind of biblical, isn't it? Equipping the saints yeah. to do the work of ministry. Go figure. Go figure. <laughs> we don't have to do it. Yeah. We have to help equip. Yeah. And we do it. But um, uh, we're, uh, we're winding down here uh, time-wise. Uh, but I, I just want to um, ask you um, let's do a 10x here. If you had 10 times the resources, 10 times the churches to lead, and 10 times the impact, what would that look like? Besides, you would be overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you'd have 10 times the people working with you. Mm -hmm. What would a 10x look like? 
Well, a lot of those, that money uh, would go towards, uh, what are the escalators, since I'm using that illustration today, but use any illustration you want. Uh, how do we uh, resource those that are probably a third my age, half my age at least, and younger, um, to be all that Jesus calls them to be. So what is it that we have to do in the whole area of equipping mm -hmm. their ministry and uh, calling out for them? Uh, and and I would invest a lot in the go be among side of the equation. Yeah, it would be like uh, it's not easy and it's not cheap, for instance, to reach urban Canada. Mm -hmm. So how do you uh, provide platforms, foundations, whatever, mm -hmm. um, and especially, again, so that younger people can be mentored and this is what it looks like mm -hmm. to go be among. This is how you established uh, a presence within a community through a house. Well, we're gonna help expand that ministry so that it can influence many more people, right? That's, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, see people mentored. Again, mm -hmm. most of them half my age or younger. And uh, that would be where the majority of the money would go to this DNA that we need to get yeah. to a next level. Yeah. We're not there yet. Yeah. We're moving the needle and you're helping and Brian through Michigan. Many others are helping us move the needle. We're getting some good demonstrations that this is sustainable, this can be done. Yeah. Um, but there's a whole next level. Yeah. And money's part of that, but of course it's not. People are the people. main part of yeah. it. Called people, yeah. people that say, I'm willing to risk. Yeah, it's not. And again, not versus the existing. The people are raised up with an existing church to serve strongly for that church to go and make disciples. Well, you know, we need these, <laughs> you yeah. know, we, yeah. need, we need these cultural language expressions. We need these community expressions. Absolutely. And, yeah. we, need, and we, yeah. need, we need wide swap churches that are like our Antiochs and God bless them, you know. Mm -hmm. So you're not here in either or here. Right. But the weak side of the equation where the balances aren't balanced quite yet is to push up this whole other side of go be among, mm -hmm. do experimentation, build relationships in the stratus we're not touching. Yeah. And uh, how do you equip people to do that well? How do you provide facility for them to do that well? Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, as, as we're winding up here, uh, I would like to ask you to uh, pray a specific prayer for Canada uh, around uh, what Jesus asked for that uh, that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the harvest I, I'm asking you to uh, to pray uh, for people that will respond to God's call so if you would do that oh, really? that's some biblical it does yeah <laughs> So Lord, uh, we pause first of all as worshipers, and I'm glad that I can be with Kevin and those on this uh, podcast today, and uh, be worshipers and honor you, that everything we're talking about here emanates from your heart, emanates from who you are. You are this God of compassion and mercy. You are the God who created us, not robotically but as sons and daughters to know relationship with you to be uh, linked to you heart soul mind strength to love you and Lord uh, because of that we're compelled we're compelled to bring this good news to people that do not yet know that they were created for that purpose that they were created to know your love and that, Lord, is the motive with which we serve. That's also the motive we pray with right now. That there will be people raised up that will be so gripped by seeing you and knowing you and walking in relationship with you, having your heart, having your mind, that it will compel them that, like Jesus, they will go and they will be among people and they will be full of gracious truth. And they will go into those stratas, into those places, 
that, Lord, uh, are not just statistics and are not just buildings and streets and politics, but, Lord, they are people and they have names and they have stories. And, Lord, you know them. You know how to reach them. And so, Lord, uh, we do pray for called people, people that will go on an adventure because, Lord, there is no nifty little five-year plan that we can promise about how this all ends up when you go be among. It's, it's like riding the waves. It's like getting on that boat on the Zambezi River and going over rapids and plunging down and floating along and then going on to the next adventure. Lord, raise up adventurers mm -hmm. to come and be among those people that you love and that you mm -hmm. care for. Lord, let them know the great joy of being spiritually empowered and to not be doing it in their own strength, to be, Lord, co-laborers, workers with you, Lord, and having your strength, having your wisdom, having your Spirit's power to see transformation come into lives. What a great journey. What a great calling, Lord. And so we pray for many more to come and be your people, in the stratas of Canadian cities. In Jesus' great name, amen. 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 Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I look forward to being with all of our friends on that final day in a heavenly city. Yes. Amen. Yes. I hope there's mountains in the city, but a heavenly city. <laughs> <laughs> I'll meet you by the river. Viewing Canada from 30,000 feet. Well, that reminds me of a verse that talks about how we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Jesus is the one who has the ultimate view from 30,000 feet. He sees the big picture. He sees so much further than we do. Well, it's not surprising that out of the life of David Wells would emerge uh, an organization like Mission Canada. And on our next podcast, we're going to interview Brian Eggert, the director of Mission Canada. There are five missional gaps that we're going to explore and see how God is calling people uh, to serve in those gaps. One of them, of course, is urban centers. And I'm a director with Mission Canada looking at Canadian cities. Uh, but there are many other areas of Canada, and we're going to look at some of those next time when we talk to Brian Eggert. So make sure you tune back. We always launch on the 1st and the 15th of each month. And until the next time, I'm Kevin Rogers, and this is Sidewalk Skyline Podcast.